Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. James. Hey, Steve. You, I have never laughed so hard in my life <laughs> than I have with my friend, Mr. DJ, DJ. Bishop. Yep. The guy's hilarious. So, um, and, and like, totally wise. Yes. So I think of like when it's like quiet and carry a big stick, dumb as a fox, right? All of these things of people who have a real humble walk, but are just like beast mode, right? Um, that is my friend DJ to the T. Absolutely. And what a transformational episode this was. Like just, this can be a game changer for our listeners who lean into some of the just the wisdom bombs that he's dropping the whole time. I think this is like three months worth of therapy. So you can A, go pay for three months worth of therapy or become an outsider. Right. And so you can do that by going to unashamedandafraid.com slash donate. Um, the bonus content, I, we went for like another like 40 minutes, Jason. Yeah, it was fantastic. We, I'm just like, we could have gone for another three hours. Oh, Probably going to have back. But yeah, anyways, absolutely. episode about humility and confidence. And self-care. And self-care. Turns out that's a big part of humility and confidence. <laughs> For sure. Well, I hadn't put the dots together, if I'm just being honest, prior to being here. And the thing I will tell you about DJ is you can tell in his voice, and he's with us, and because I know him personally, and you do as well, too. Yeah. This is a guy that lives it. This is not a talking head. Oh, no. This is real, real authenticity and the real deal. So we invite you to... Enjoy this episode with DJ um, and enjoy the transformation. DJ! <laughs> you are an excited little, uh, what is it? Excited as a giddy schoolgirl? DJ, my brother, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor and a privilege to be here this evening. So, uh, although DJ is being very professional right now, DJ is one of our super good therapist friends. Um, he waves to us uh, from the other side of the Rocky Mountains, um, is from where he hails Boulder, right? Yeah, just outside the Boulder bubble. Uh, my office is over in the Louisville area. Yeah. So, um, DJ, for those people who don't have the privilege of being a good friend of yours, like James and I have, um, paint yourself into context. Kind of tell us about you. Give us the bio background. Uh, originally from Florida, grew up in the panhandle, uh, just on the Florida side of the line from Mobile, Alabama, and then was educated in Los Angeles, um, spent about nine years out there. And then through my work in substance use disorder, working in treatment, I was recruited and, uh, by a, a company called Jay Walker Lodge. Uh, and worked in their residential department for a few years, which is uh, men's uh, gender-specific drug treatment. 
and then resigned from there and moved to the front range, as we call it out here, uh, just outside the Boulder bubble, uh, to be with my partner, uh, Lauren, whom I love dearly, and to build my private practice and explore my passion, which is psychodrama. And so I run a private practice therapy business. Uh, my office is in Louisville. I work primarily with substance use disorder. And then of course the cluster of things that are in orbit with substance use disorder, such as anxiety, depression, a lot of PTSD, trauma, complex PTSD, um, you know, those, those are the things, uh, men's issues, existential crises, you know, these types of things uh, is what I work with. The majority of my practice is men. I would say it's like 70, 30, 70% men, 30% women. Um, I do a lot of psychodrama, uh, which we can get into later what that is, if, if the listeners don't know. Um, and I do contracting Indeed. work uh, with on-site workshops. I fly out there periodically to run trauma groups and individual intensives. Um, so, and then I do a bunch of my own training all over the U.S. Uh, in Tennessee and California. Um, you know, one of the things that I really, really, really love about this work, uh, particularly my practice, uh, is that, you know, I do all the things that I practice. Um, so if it's experiential therapy, I do my own experiential therapy and I found it through my own personal therapy work. I found psychodrama through my own personal therapy work and pursued it, uh, for my own betterment before shifting gears into professional development and practice. Um, and I, and the thing I love about psychodrama is that I must continue to do my own work in order to facilitate the work, you know, uh, the substance use disorder work, the 12 step facilitation, the spirituality, this is all stuff that I do, uh, that I've found helpful that I've seen be helpful for a lot of other people. And this is the stuff that I practice in, you know, my therapy practice. So, uh, just about everything I ask a client to do, I was at one time asked to do and then did. Um, and so that, that sort of like congruency, uh, between what it is that I'm, I'm practicing in my, in my practice, what I'm facilitating in my practice and what I do in my personal life, uh, gives me a lot of fulfillment and joy, meaning and purpose. Um, being a therapist. Uh, and I never thought it would be that way. Like, that's not what I was going to be when I grew up at all. So to summarize, DJ is a big deal, number one, and important to this episode, DJ is also the real deal. He and walks the walk. Walks the freaking walk. And so um, when we were thinking about uh, the topic of humility, which you are going to have to eat some humble pie, make some humble pie, create some humble pie, get familiar with humble pie. If you're going to walk the walk of recovery and find healing. And, but also I have come to find part of the struggle with that is people get into recovery and then they can't gain confidence or have confidence. And I found anyone who recovers because they believe they will. They have the capacity, right? They have that strength of ego, a confidence, not an arrogance, right? But a confidence. And I think this is such a tough topic. And personally for me has been a really tough topic as I've kind of worked my recovery. And so DJ, if we were to kind of start with you, how would you define like humility? Like what even is that? Oh my goodness. That's such a, um, a tough question. 
you know, and just to put it within the context of, you know, 12 step, right? Because you guys talk a lot about what is it, addiction recovery program, the ARP, which is the LDS's version or adoption of uh, 12 step recovery that is, is more specific towards uh, y'all's faith. Um, mm-hmm. you like to look at that, um, you know, humility in step one, it's so funny you use humble pie. That's what the, that's what it's referred to as is a, a serving of humble pie. And they talk about that in the, the 12 and 12, the companion to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, yet that's not where it remains. You know, humility, uh, transforms through each one of the steps that, that it's this growing relationship. Uh, through spirituality, through faith, through action, um, that in step seven um, is no longer humble pie. Uh, In step seven, it's now the nourishing ingredient that provides us with serenity. So, you know, what is the definition of of humility? I think that's like nailing jelly to the wall. It's really kind of hard to like be super specific because I feel that it's more of um, a practice of staying right-sized um, versus versus overstepping uh, our boundaries. I think it's a practice of asking and seeking uh, versus knowing um, and deserving. Yeah, I think I'll, uh, it's, it's acknowledging I don't know. Acknowledging, I don't know everything. Like I don't have all the answers, right? That mm-hmm. that there there is there is something to gain from connecting with another person, or connecting with a higher power, or connecting with the earth. That that humility is this this vehicle for for connection. So I, I want I have a question about then confidence. Um, I think for me. Um, stepping into to confidence is something that I never really felt al- allowed to do because it felt like if I was ever confident, then I was being proud. I was not being humble. And so, you know, or I was being entitled or I was being, you know, there's so many there, as soon as I stepped into some kind of um, confidence, it, in my brain and, and kind of the way I was raised, I was stepping into this you know, terrible place of arrogance and pride. Um, so tell me about, tell me what confidence is then and how I can be humble and confident or be confident or be confident and not arrogant, for example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I minored in, in philosophy when I was working on my undergraduate and, you know, what do you do in philosophy, but you define terms and then debate the definition of those terms. And so it's like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm back in a philosophy class as to what is confidence and Socrates is going to pop out and we're going to end up in this like intellectual circle and, and <laughs> um, that, that confidence, you know, and it's funny, I looked it up. I was like, what, what, what does, you know, what do they mean by confidence? I'm pretty sure they're going to ask this question. Uh, so, I, you know, I just Googled it because like, well, that's what we do. That's uh, Google has all the answers, right? Google is not humble. Um, self-assurance arising from one's own appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. That was the definition that I found. And so DJ, you're, you're a confident guy. What is it to you? 
Uh, that's that. I mean, I don't consider do myself a, a, a confident guy. Uh, I don't really consider myself. Um, I would consider, you know, I know that I exercise humility as best I can. Um, and it's, it's funny, like, when talking about humility, it's like deny, right? Because as soon as I say I'm humble, I'm not humble anymore, right? And then confidence, totally. it's like... As soon as I'm confident, then I'm arrogant. Right, right. Yeah. So it's it's almost like being labeled a hipster or something. Like as soon as you deny it, it, it just guarantees that, that locks it in. Like it's a trap, you know? You just have to like keep moving like you didn't even hear it. So confidence... How to, how to weigh well, the two, humility and confidence. Well, let me put it this way, because this is like when I, which is why, you know, I invited you for this episode, right? I think you do this really well because I think it, people see it in the paradigm we're talking about it right now. Like humility is, is one thing, like humility is this side of the room, confidence is this side of the room. To your point, like if you kind of say you're humble, then you're blowing it, but confidence too far, your arrogance, like are confidence, humility really in conflict or are they like one in the same? Like, do they move together or are they like two opposite ends of the pole? Cause this is what I see. So one capacity, I know DJs is a guided onsite, which PS, you got a ball hard to be a guided onsite. And I see DJ working with clients, right. And being there in total humility, like, to what you said earlier, like, what can I learn? How can I be open? And then I watch him with total, what I would say confidence, like really hold clients in really tough places and help them move through difficult trauma with a belief and a hope that no, it's going to happen. I'm going to be here with you and make it happen. And there's a, there's a swagger and a confidence that comes with that. So how, how have you just to James's point, like in your walk, how have you like blended those together as opposed to holding them apart like this? Mm, It's a great question. And I guess the thing that's coming into my mind uh, uh, right off the top of my head it's kind of like in the, in the rooms of AA, when someone presents the topic of like honesty, most people talk about dishonesty, right? And so introduce the topic of humility and talk about pride. Um, and, uh, you know, letting go, we hang on, right? So it, it, it places this in a, in a, in a, in a dialectic. Um, and, and so when I, when you say humility, uh, my immediate opposite is entitlement, right? If we were to set up, uh, to use a psychodrama term, a spectrogram, right? Where on one end we have, uh, humility. And then on the other end we have, um, uh, entitlement and it, there's this invisible line. And so on one side of the room, we're closer to entitlement. And the other side, we're closer to humility. Where would we stand? Um, that's how I view the relationship with humility is like, how entitled am I being right now? What is, what is, how does this entitlement come out in me? Or, or am I not being entitled at this point? Right. Am I not exercising it right now today in this moment? And so when it comes to entitlement, I think entitlement is the antithesis of, of humility. I think entitlement cuts us off from relationships. Um, and I think entitlement certainly shows itself uh, in confidence, 
right? That this sort of like unhealthy or toxic level of, of confidence is, is more along the lines of, of entitlement. Right. Arrogance, right? We'd call that arrogance. Mm-hmm. That I, you know, I deserve this because I worked for this or I'm owed this because of my station in life, right? That the world needs to bend to my needs. Um, and so, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, when confidence is, is taken to such a, an extreme, then it, then it's, it ceases to be confidence and it's more about entitlement. Um, and, uh, so how, how to balance the two, I think how to balance the two, the confidence and the humility, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough philosophical debate. And for me, it's really, it's staying connected. It's asking for help. It's following directions. Um, it's opening myself up to other people and listening to their stories and following them. Um, and knowing that I have the ability to do that, uh, given the work that I've done. And so when it comes to confidence, you know, the way that I kind of conceptualize of that for me is built on like self-worth and mm-hmm. where I get self-worth is from self-care. And so the more self-care I engage in, the more self-worth I will have. And in turn, the more comfortable I will be in my skin, which is read by the external world, people looking at me as confidence because I'm comfortable in my skin, because I'm taking care of myself. And now that becomes deeply authentic, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's just living out of authenticity at that point. And to some people, maybe, you know, they might think that that looks arrogant, where it's like, no, that's, this is just me. Well, for me, I think one thing that I've I've learned. Well, I have two things because what DJ just said was so profound. So I invite you just to rewind the last minute and a half, and you'll get a lot. Because um, that, I mean, that was. I'm still kind of trying to, in truth, internalize what you just said, DJ, because that was profound. Um, because to me, when you're talking about self worth, comes from right self care. Mm-hmm. Addiction behavior, compulsive behavior is just a maladaptive form of self-care. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to this is looking at porn, getting a prostitute, right? Drinking alcohol. I feel like it's the only thing that I actually do for me or it's the only, so it's really, they're, they're trying to do, they're trying to meet that need that you're talking about of that self-care to restore self they're just doing it in a maladaptive way that in the end takes away from self right and breeds shame and, and so many different things. Um, but it's a maladaptive way of trying to do what DJ just said. I, I, yes. Um, and so there's, there's a guy and he wrote this book. The guy's name is Gerald May and the book that he wrote is addiction and grace. And in that book, uh, he talks about addiction uses up our spiritual desire. Uh, and that spiritual desire is like that inner glow and life force. You know, the thing that allows us to be alive and to long for and to desire and to sort of to connect with other people. Addiction co-ops this. Um, 
And instead of filling that void, that internal void with spirituality, we fill it and an addict or an alcoholic, right, is going to fill it uh, with spirits versus spirituality, which Carl Jung jumped on, you know, in his letters between uh, Bill Wilson and himself, you know, over a, a shared uh, client or, or sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous, the, one of the stories, uh, and there is a solution of the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, and this is where Carl Jung defines what a, like a, a spiritual awakening is, which is on page 27 in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. He talks about this. And then later in the sixties, Bill Wilson and, and Carl Jung shared some letters where Carl Jung was like, identified that, that we have the spiritual void and we fill it with spirits trying to complete ourselves. But what is really going to make us a whole person is a spiritual life, right? And so it's this like shortcut that hijacks. Uh, it works for a little while and does some really amazing things, numbs the pain, keeps us moving, keeps us alive in really harrowing situations, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, in abusive situations or uh, emotionally painful situations. It'll work up to a degree and then it stops working. And then that's that's when some serious pain uh, really comes in into play that usually constitutes a bottom of some sort. And right. so... Um, you know, that, that this addiction steals it from us. So in recovery, now we're reclaiming this, yeah. right? Because addiction leaves us spiritually bankrupt, as, as it says in the book, right? Correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're spiritually bankrupt. And now we enter into recovery uh, upon this bottom feeling absolutely humiliated. And this is lesson one in, in, humi in humility. Like, oh my gosh, I give up. I can't do it anymore. I need help. What do you got? Right? I need some help. And so now all of a sudden reclaiming that spiritual desire. We're starting the process of reclaiming that spiritual desire. Um, and so that, yes, addiction type of maladaptive self-care, just as much as recovery is teach how to take care selves both mind body and spirit yeah so so early in your process right like as you were on your own journey with everything what were some of the best things that you did in that self-care to start to restore that spiritual awakening for you uh so i would say in the beginning i wasn't good at it like, you know, what I, what I understood is self-care would be a, a, I always make this joke. It's a, a full pack of cigarettes and about, you know, 24 ounces of coffee. This, <laughs> this was self-care. Um, and, you know, that's the way it was for a lot of years. Um, because that's what I thought it was better than what it was previous. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, and you know, when I got into therapy school and started learning about therapy, uh, you know, that sort of changed, but it still took time um, of what constituted self-care. Today, when someone says self-care, I have a much better understanding of what it means for me, right? And today, what it means for me is I look at that sort of wellness wheel, 
of, of life, you know, um, spirituality, uh, phys- uh, physiology, um, financial, professional, um, occup- um, there's like eight categories. I can't remember them off the top of my head. I didn't know I was going to go in that direction. Um, so I kind of look at all of those, uh, areas and then I adjust accordingly, like where are my deficits and where do I need to invest in? And so the, you know, the big categories that I play a lot exercise, what have I done to get in my body? Alcoholics and addicts like to stay out of their body. So what am I doing to drop into my body? Uh, whether that be going for a walk, running, jog, uh, jogging, uh, yoga, cycling, uh, you know, lifting weights, um, doing restorative yoga, taking a bath. Like, what am I doing to like drop into this, this body so that I'm not just a talking head? Um, and then, you know, what am I doing um, spiritually? For my self-care? Am I engaging in my 12-step program? Am I doing all the things that, you know, that asks of me to do? Um, and then mentally and emotionally, am I tending to my own therapy work? Um, and, you know, it took me a few years to find that what worked for me. Uh, and am I engaging in the things that worked for me? So am I engaging in psychodrama? Am I engaging in talk therapy? Am I engaging in group therapy? Um, you know, uh, you know, partnership is important to me. So am I investing in my relationship? Am I taking time uh, for that relationship? And then family, Um, family of origin is tough for me. So I lean a lot into family of choice. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, am I investing in those relationships or am I isolating, right? When was the last time I talked to my BFF? Um, When was the last time I went and had lunch or dinner with a friend of mine? You know, these are the types of things that I look at now for self-care? Am I reading? Have I been nourishing my mind, working this muscle, um, whether it be nonfiction or fiction, whatever it is, but am I reading, you know, compared to spending a lot of time on a screen? Um, so, so these are the types of things uh, that, that I look at. Oh, and food, like what kind of food am mm-hmm. I ingesting? Mm-hmm. Right. Because uh, I am what I eat. Um, and, and so now that I've discovered what good food is, right, am I continuing to make those choices that are going to make me feel the best? Now, by good food, you mean just delicious, right? No, by good food, I mean a balance between <laughs> what my body needs, which is a lot of vegetables, <laughs> right, and, and what uh, I want. I'm about to be in trouble because I just, this is an area that I'm struggling a lot right now. So, um, I'm doing a little of the shame, you know? So, and one thing I I want to jump in there. So like, just notice the list. It was, you know, a 50 pack of cigarettes and a whole bunch of coffee. And now you're like, yep, that was the two things. And now you just spent like three, five minutes listing off all of the things that you consider and look at as self-care. Like just all of the things that you're trying to engage in. That's such a big difference. I just wanted to really point that out. Well, and speaking to DJ's personal character, right, of the big deal and real deal, we were running a program together out at Onsite. So we're both running groups and we're there at night. DJ's like, hey, do you want to come kind of do some restorative yoga with me and everything in my head is like 
nope, I want to eat some potato chips or and I'm out watching a show. And I'm like, no, I love my friend DJ. So, I, okay. Like, so that, that brotherhood, right. He did mention his best friend earlier. He left my name out, but it's me. And he, um, and so, <laughs> so he invites me. So we, we do this yoga and, um, I mean, it changed, it, it, I mean, it changed, it changed our mood. It changed where we were at. And we, and we spent the next hour in some like cathartic laughter and just connecting with each other and some deep conversation. And I just remember that was, I mean, just a moment of me seeing DJ actually do self care, but then also inviting me into that and teaching me self care. That was a big deal for me. I don't think we've ever talked about that. So I want you to know how cool that was for me. Um, just in that moment to be in that walk with you. Well, thank you. Yeah, we haven't talked about that. I do remember that. Um, and, and you know, I don't do that all the time. I do it a lot of the time, but not all the time. Like, I still struggle with self-care on a daily basis um, because it, it just, you know, part of me just screams out, yeah, I want to eat, you know, something really sugary. Like, I need to get a giant cookie the size of my head and just, like, <laughs> pound that and scroll on Instagram and then watch some stuff on HBO Max. Um, and then that'll be the night, right? Um, right. <laughs> um, but I know I, I feel horrible after that. I don't yeah. feel restored. Um, and so it's yeah. this, like, sort of constant pendulation uh, between those two, not necessarily all the way to that extreme, but to some degree, right? Um, and, and so I think that is is part of just being exercising humility, knowing that I'm not always going to be on target. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, before we run out of time here, the one other thing I wanted to talk about, cause this is basically me getting free therapy from DJ, but I think there are other people this applies to too. So one thing that I've noticed in my walk is, we talked about dialing that internal compass, right? Of self-worth from self-care and that. But a question I want to ask you is, I found that a lot of the shame coming at me was people calling me arrogant, calling me entitled, telling me I don't have what it takes to do recovery, not giving me hope, but giving me shame. And, and, me saying, oh, well, they all must be right. I guess I am really arrogant or, or I guess I don't have hope or, and so how do you combat that external piece? Cause even, you know, we have a lot of couples on here that are married and a lot of times, you know, with, with betrayal trauma, the partner is not feeling great. So you being sober for a month, they still are in a good place. You just had an affair two months ago. So they're still in a lot of hurt and a lot of shame. And so you're not going to bring home that 30 day chip and they're going to go, I'm so proud of you. Cause they're not there in their healing, which I can respect. So what, what advice would you give of kind of not letting external forces interfere with how I see myself from either tearing me down with shame or trying to suck me into the validation of, you know, building my ego. So now it is arrogance. Cause I care what all these people think. So how do you, how do you do that balance with the external people in our lives and forces? That's a great question. For me, right, it, it is going to come back to action and service. So action, what am I doing to take care of myself? 
right now? What am I doing to make sure that I'm as, as grounded as possible? Um, and that does not mean that I'm floating in the lotus position when I meditate. That just, that means that, uh, you know, I'm busy. Like how busy am I? Uh, busy in my recovery. Um, and so if, if, you know, that is, you know, as the partner of someone who is uh, new to addiction, like how many Al-Anon meetings am I going to? Being grounded and grounded um, is not floating in the lotus position while I meditate. Grounded is like, what are my feet doing on this ground, right? Like how, where am I moving? What are they doing? Where are they? Um, you know, am I in a meeting? Am I working with my sponsor? Am I doing the steps? Am I taking the next indicated uh, action? Uh, given the circumstances. Um, and, you know, 30 days is awesome. I remember my 30 days vividly. Uh, I will remember it forever. Um, it was it was one of the, the toughest chips that I had to pick up. It took, for, it, you know, I, and when I hand out chips, I'm like, 30 day chip, you know, 30 days and a thousand nights. Um, that mm. that's, that's the, you know, how it rolls. Um, and so when, so when that pressure from outside comes in, then I lean on the people that are around me, who am I surrounded by, right? Are these, these friends, are these trusted uh, travelers, right? That, that know what it is that I'm in, endeavoring upon and have some compassion and generosity for me uh, as, I, as I, you know, force gump my way through, you know, whatever hardship is in front of me? Um, is it, you know, am I surrounding myself with um, people who are exercising like a level of um, distrust and transaction, right? That, um, you know, that, that are like pushing, 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 uh, so that they can feel better inside. Right. So like, what, it, what is my community looking like? And so, um, I found that typically in life, there's going to be a mixture of both people pushing for someone to do something so that they can feel better on the inside, feel safer, calmer, more grounded, et cetera. And people who are going to be supporting regardless of what an individual does just, you know, stoked, to see them show up, stoked to see them engaging, stoked to see them trying, right? And just sitting back and watching the show uh, in the most, you know, loving and compassionate sort of way. Um, and so I think in those instances, it's like, how do I balance the transactional relationships and the transformational relationships? Like, how do I balance these two? Um, and how do I set boundaries for myself? and accept the natural consequences, right? That all of these actions at the end of the day help us accept the natural consequences to our actions, whatever those natural consequences may be. Um, and so if I eat healthy food, a lot of vegetables and lean meat on a daily basis, you know, the natural consequence of that is I'm going to feel better, right? I'm going to run cleaner and longer and farther, right? Um, and if I scroll on the internet and eat cookies, uh, every day. And I love cookies. Like, don't get me wrong. I still eat cookies, but if that's like, I'm eating a sole diet of cookies and social media scrolling, right. 
then the natural consequences of that are going to be uh, feelings of anxiety, depression, and isolation. Well, and to me, that's such a sign of earlier what you said about humility is, you know, willing to ask for help and say, I don't know. And one thought that came to me was humility is also, right, which is, which is big in recovery, understanding that I can't control the outcome. I can't say, well, I, in my arrogance and entitlement, actually can eat the cookie and still run clean. So that's me, right? Where to your point, right? Humility is being open to the fact that I don't control the outcome, both of yeah, natural consequences, consequences and relationally. Right? Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't control the consequences and I also don't control relationally that piece. Going back, you know, boundaries and talking about external relationships. And so um, as we kind of wrap the episode here, I guess the last question I want to give you, DJ, is just what's what's one thing I can do? If this episode's hitting me between the eyes, which for me personally, it is a little bit um, of just like, what? Like, I, I don't do self-care. My humility maybe is not in check. I'm feeling some of that entitlement. What is just one thing I could do, like, that today as I'm listening to this episode to start that journey back on that spectrogram from the entitlement side to the humility side? Yes. So I'm going to answer that question by going back to a point that I made in passing earlier uh, without really explaining. And I want to like grab a hold of that before it gets misinterpreted. So mm -hmm. I said a little quip of like force gump my way through whatever obstacle. So what I meant by that, that I just moved so quickly through, is that Forrest showed up with a degree of authenticity and humility and genuine curiosity of just trying to express love and connection through everything he went through, right? And, and so mm -hmm. when I show up in a place where I understand that Life is a gift given to me at no cost on a daily basis. And therefore, there's this crossroads that I can, I can navigate where I could exercise entitlement that I deserve the life that I've been given today, that I'm just expected to have another day, right? Or I can exercise an attitude of gratitude and say, ask for help in the morning and say thank you at the end of the day, knowing that the next day isn't guaranteed, that life is given to me as a gift at no cost to me, right? Um, and it's the same thing with my recovery. When I'm exercising a degree of gratitude and asking for help, knowing that I don't know, curious about what answers will present themselves throughout the day and leading with heart, love, compassion, and generosity to the best of my ability, then all of a sudden, I find myself uh, drinking from the well of, of self-care versus drinking from the well of entitlement, uh, resentment, disconnection, um, you know, I'm coming from a place of connection in self-care versus a place of like, um, domination or control, uh, with entitlement. Love it, that DJ. Like it's 
Fantastic. No, in the words of our friend Biggie, if you don't know, now you know. Um, so DJ, thank you so much for being with us. Um, this truly has been a gift. So, um, tons of gratitude. So thanks for being here with us. Thank you for having me. What a, what an honor and scary, fun, exciting thing, uh, to do, to be on a a podcast. So where, where can people find you if they want to get more of the DJ? So my web address is uh, djbtherapy.com. So www.djbtherapy.com. So DJ, just like a radio DJ, B like Bishop, uh, therapy like mental health therapy, djbtherapy.com. Awesome. So DJ is a very gifted clinician. So if you are looking for one, boom, baby, he is truly one of the best. And what DJ didn't say that I'll say about him is that DJ does do individual couples workshops like that. So you can fly to Colorado, do three, four days with him and change your life, by the way. So I'm going to put that out there because I know what he's capable of. So if you're looking for some of that, DJ's the guy. Um, love that you're with us. Please give us five stars on iTunes. That's where the world judges us and finds us. Um, invite you to follow us at unashamed unafraid Facebook and Instagram. Again, if you're in need of a scholarship or would like to donate, we invite you to go to unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarship slash donate. And, um, until we're with you next time, continue to be unashamed. Unashamed.